Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Hello, everybody. What a great, great honor and treat to be here. One of my favorite places really on the planet. My heart's already been refreshed uh, with the love of God and just the victory we have in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. So good to greet many of you this morning uh, during our little fellowship time. And maybe I can greet some of you uh, more, more, uh, you know, at the conclusion of our little gathering today. But God is so good to you to be planted in this place, to hear the word of the Lord, to receive the love of the Father, to understand the beauty of what Jesus has done for you. And like Pastor Edwin said, you know, you, you still shout the victory. Freedom is always better than being bound. Hallelujah. Being in the light of the gospel is better than walking in darkness for sure. So thank God that uh, you're in an environment uh, that you can just rejoice and thank God and continue to grow in his love and mercy uh, towards you and pass it on as well. It's very, very important. That's what you've all uh, been doing Uh, Through your uh, giving, your tithing, your offerings uh, to the local church. Heidi and I are just honored to be uh, an extension of your love, your life in the nations of the world and the different campuses and teams through the years that we've planted. Like Pastor Edwin said, when uh, when we met, you know, 37 years ago, whenever it was, uh, we we, Heidi and I, we just didn't know what we were up to, except we knew God stirred our spirit to announce the news of his reconciling love and to see what's unfolded through these years is kind of astonishing sometimes, but it's always taken people uh, in churches like yours. You're planted in a place on purpose, really, for the purposes of God, and you all have always come to our rescue. So thanks so much. You've all been involved in the different campuses that have been built. It's your faithfulness and your mission giving each month that allows us to be equipped many, many times. And then the extra giving. In fact, when this explosion happened, I was really discouraged. And Pastor Edwin called me maybe three, four days after. I can't remember. And he encouraged me. He said, no, we're sending you, uh, we're sending you an offering. You know, it was a big offering to me. And, and uh, just encouraged me and lifted me. Wow. It's wonderful. So thank you for being you. And aren't you glad I'm crying at the beginning of my message and not in the middle of it? Hallelujah. <laughs> People always say, Keith, you always cry. This, I cry better than I preach. Hallelujah. Some people tell me my crying is my best preaching. Hallelujah. But anyway, God's so good. And we just, uh, we just want to say thanks so much. And uh, all over the world, I'll be sharing with you even tonight some of the things on our campus in the Philippines. But what you saw in Lebanon, Heidi and I were there a year ago in March when COVID broke out. And the whole place went quiet. And then a few months after this uh, this explosion, and then when the explosion happened, every person in government resigned. So not just the prime minister, but all the cabinet people, everybody resigned. They did not have a new government for over a year. Uh, actually, in September, just about two months ago, they got a new government, and it's chaos. When I was there, the rate of exchange was $1 to 1500 Lebanese currency. Now it's $1 to 20000 So the currency is devalued uh, devalued 90%. It's worth 10% of what it was when I was there just a year and a half ago. So you can understand the heartache, the headache, the pain, the problem, and just stewarding ministry. But in another way, it's beautiful. 
because everything is so broken, the gospel can be heard by people who didn't want to hear it before. Right now we have 300 Muslim people who've come to Christ that just want to be trained and discipled in discipleship. 300 of them. Pastor Said, our team leader, uh, the, the gentleman on the video, he, he's astonished. He says he's never seen such, such an awakening to the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. And, you know, when you think about seeds and harvest time, these kind of things, and like Pastor Edwin said when he was receiving the offering and reading out of that powerful passage in, in the book of Corinthians, what Paul admonished the church and the believers about whether you sow sparingly or bountifully, it depends kind of your future, whether you reap and how you reap, how you live, how, how you express yourself. I, I think it, it's part of every everything in life. Every th- time I see this video now and or see uh, our team leader, he is, he's, he's uh, the, the son-in-law of a man who is a very prominent Middle Eastern leader. He, this, his father-in-law was the head of the Bible Society in all the Arab world. And when Heidi and I started in ministry, I went into full-time missions ministry in September 1979. So that's 42 years ago. I was just freshly out of college, and it's before I went to Ramah. I met Heidi at Ramah, 1981. We got married the next year, 1982. Then moved six months after we were married overseas to work with this African organization. One of our our job assignments was to coordinate a conference in the Middle East. It was going to be called MECLA, Mediterranean Christian Leadership Assembly. Of course, I was a young kid. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was working with all the denominational type leaders, orthodox leaders, and, and I, I was clueless. But God had mercy on me in my, in my, uh, you know, in my assignment. And uh, so uh, to make a long story short, we, we went to Greece. We went to different Greek islands to find a location to bring Jewish and Arab leaders together. And people thought we were nuts, you know. And it happened. We, we did it, and we almost had a war at the conference. It was beautiful. Believers just, like, exploding. It was, but I was so glad it was done. I came back to America and resigned from that organization. And I started Mutual Faith because Mutual Faith was the assignment of my heart. And then I bought a car for $3,600, and I drove around America for six months. I asked God, let somebody know I carry something. And help them bring it forth. And he did. I'm still amazed. Anyway. That's cry number two. Anyway. <laughs> after 9-11. When the towers fell. There's a verse in Isaiah. Chapter 35. There will be. On every high mountain and every high hill. Rivers and streams of waters. In the day of a great slaughter. When the towers fall. And that verse stirred in my spirit. And in a moment of time, I had an assignment to develop a water delivery system. Jesus is the living water. Have a water delivery system in regions of rage in a Muslim world. So I told Heidi I was going to the Middle East. I went to three or four countries. But I was in Lebanon. And in Lebanon, I hosted a meeting at the Bible Society. There were like 10 or 12 people there. They sat in like a little half circle, and they introduced me. I had something in my heart. Everybody sat there like this, like, would you please get this thing over? Nobody was interested except one guy. The one guy was the guy you saw in the video, one guy. This guy loved me. 
He loved what was in my heart. He said, I want you to meet my father-in-law. My father-in-law is the head of the Bible Society. So he took me up in the mountains of Beirut somewhere. Went out in this like little garden area. And this older man, white-haired, kind of like me now, huh? This older man, he, he shook my hand, looked me deep in the eye, and he wouldn't let go of the handshake. And I was uncomfortable. Like I wanted to shake and, you know, be on with the conversation. No, he, 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 he wouldn't let me go. He said, I know you. I said, no, sir. He said, no, I know you. He said, have you been to the Middle East before? I said, no, sir. It's my first time here. I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't hardly know where I'm going. You don't know me. He said, I know you. He said, have you done work in the Middle East before? I said, well, when I was really young. Now, remember, this is like 2002. I said, in uh, about 20 years ago, when I was young, my wife and I were newlyweds. We coordinated a conference in the Middle East on a Greek island. African leaders were doing a ministry of reconciliation. He said, I was at that conference with my wife. He said, I have a picture of you with me and my wife. We were going through old pictures, he said, like two weeks ago. And I saw your picture. This is why you're familiar to me. Do you know that seeds I sowed in life-giving assignments 20 years early was the key thing that gave me a peace point to have this man lead our ministry. And now he's led our ministry for 20 years. And God has opened up the whole Middle East now in the worst imaginable pain. We're having the most thrilling fruitfulness. Isn't the Lord good? Makes me want to give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. To the love of the Lamb of God. But you all made it all possible. And even in the big explosion, you all came to the rescue again and again and again. So thank you so much. I better stop telling stories and preach. Hallelujah. If you have a Bible, follow along with. Listen, friend, I really believe your heart is going to be thrilled. It's going to be thrilled today in the gospel. It's going to tie into the lyrics of the song. It's going to tie into the exhortations we've received. I've been so blessed with every exhortation. I just can hardly sit still. You know, I'm just thrilled with the gospel. And this is why you and I as believers were trapped in this world system that's not uh, cued in to the beauty of Jesus. And what Jesus has done, like Pastor Edwin said, he won the victory for you. He won the victory for me. We're the recipients of his love, his life, his work, everything. It's redemption. And this is what's so marvelous. But see, you can uh, leave a, a place, a space of grace like this and go out and get your mindset all confused with world system thinking. And it's not difficult to do because this is what is shouted, whether it's on social media, the news, this, that, the other. You can get your mind filled with all kinds of nonsense quite quickly and and, and bring you down and make you operate from this sphere, so to speak, instead of from the position where you are. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we need to begin to calculate what we take into this mindset this space it's really your most prized real estate of your human container what you hold in the space that triggers whether you're going to walk in the spirit or walk according to the flesh and i found that walking in the flesh is quite easy 
Huh? It's quite easy. I don't have to work much. I, I, I can get there quickly, so to speak. You, you have to reckon yourself dead to sin and alive unto God, Paul says. Huh? And so it's very, very important that we understand how to uh, uh, position ourselves where our mindset is anchored in the truth from God's point of view. So let me share a few things. Let me first uh, give you a couple of thoughts of Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, please, to Mark chapter 4. This is in verse 24. Mark chapter 4, verse 24. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Take heed what you hear. Let's just pause there. Take heed what you hear. I I have had to cut out a lot of things the last year and a half of my life. Just so Keith Hershey doesn't live like a grumpy old man. I've had to I've had to not let things have a voice in my mind of this world system, whether from the right, the left, the center, whatever. I have I have restricted my mindset into what I take in, and uh, massively, and it's been a discipline because it's not always been easy. But I'm trying to protect my soul. And I'm going to try to protect my assignment, my calling. And so I'm restricting what I allow in this thing and who I, what, uh, what I allow to be heard in my home or in my own space that I control. And I'm very, 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 very strict on it. Because Jesus said you have to take heed what you hear. That's content. What you hear, content. I think people that live in the uh, environment of the world system thinking, they're believers, they're beautiful people, they love the Lord. But they have a mindset that's trapped in a world system and it brings fear, it brings depression, it brings anxiety, it brings worry. So Jesus said, take heed what you hear, content. Let's go to another little statement of Jesus. Luke chapter 8 Verse 18. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Jesus says, therefore, take heed how you hear. So Jesus gives two instructions. Take heed what you hear, content. Take heed how you hear. I call that attitude. Kind of the condition of your your, your heart to receive. And if you don't, Uh, guard your mindset and guard your heart in this way, you'll live like you're spiritually dead, even though you're fully alive. And to explain what I want to say, I'm going to tell you a a Bible story. Okay? Now, I'm not going to go to a bunch of verses today. I'm not going to do a, a big, deep study. I'm going to share with you one simple powerful Bible story. And as we go through the Bible story, I'm going to pause to kind of uh, give a little more color. I'm a color commentator. Hallelujah. Like somebody announcing again. I'm going to be the color commentator to the biblical story. And you're going to understand the importance of taking heed to what you hear and how you hear. Because that will determine the condition of your life in what really works, where you excel, 
and where you find God's purposes and the blessing coming forth powerfully. So go with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and I'm so glad I brought my reading glasses. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, I still like to carry my physical Bible, and I'm so glad here everybody carries a physical Bible. A lot of times you go places and people don't have a physical Bible. They have a digital Bible, which is wonderful, and they may have verses on the screen and stuff, but I love to just write up my Bible. I love to circle things, put stars, asterisks, you know, I just love the physical Bible. But I, since I travel a lot, I always carry a small Bible, you know, because it's light. But I realize now I can't see it to read it. Hallelujah, I need glasses. But anyway, in my physical Bible here, Acts chapter 20, verse 7, let's look at this story. The Bible says now, everybody say now. On the first day of the week, let's pause. The first day of the week is the Sunday, right? We're gathering today on the first day of the week because... This is the way in the New Testament they instructed us to do it. So now on the first day of the week when the disciples, these are believers, when the believers and disciples came together, they were having fellowship, it says to break bread. Let's pause. So on the first day of the week, the believers would come together and they would break bread. Now what does that mean? Breaking bread, of course, many times maybe sharing a common meal. Beautiful. I love to just... Have fellowship around the table, around a meal. It's, it's, it's enriching. It's where you know people in a deeper way. It's fun. It's, you understand people's personalities. You, you can encourage people by telling them, hey, shout the victory. You know, just, you can, you can almost rehearse the lyrics of what we've sung and refresh their soul just through the fellowship of a meal. But in the book of Acts, many times when it says breaking bread, it's not just exclusively to a common meal, it's to the communion meal. Is to the Lord's Supper. That's what Jesus instituted, he said, to establish a new covenant that's based on better promises. Okay? So they would gather together to celebrate the cross, to celebrate the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus. They were, this is every time you partake, you're remembering what Jesus did, that he took your sickness. He took your suffering. He took your pain. He took your sins. He did a a perfect work to perfect you. Right? So you're having fellowship and you're eating, you're drinking, and you're being merry. You shout the victory. You lift up a hallelujah. You raise a hallelujah. You say cheers to the Lamb of God. Okay, so this is the environment. They're gathering together. There's this kind of fellowship And then look what happens. So again, down in verse 7, it said they came together to break bread. Paul, well, let's pause again. This is the first character introduced in the story. So let's talk about the character. Now, I'm assuming you're all such a well-taught church that everybody knows who this Paul is. But maybe some of you are visiting or watching the video streams or whatever and don't know. Paul wasn't always called Paul. Paul was a brother called Saul. Saul of Tarsus. And the dude was brilliant. He wasn't like Keith Hershey, just a simple gospel preacher. This guy was a scholar of scholars, trained by the best teachers of his day. And when this guy later in life wrote his, his, his resume, I mean, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he said. I mean, he was the best of the best in terms of knowing the law, the law of Moses, 
the old covenant, uh, the prophets, you know, the, the, the he, he knew it all. But uh, he did not understand when Jesus came along and did a perfect work to perfect everyone everywhere. He did not understand the people that would follow this Messiah, Jesus. So it says in the same book, book of Acts, chapter 8, 9, it tells the story. He persecuted people who followed Jesus. People who put their faith in Christ. He would, he would bind them. He would haul them to prison. He would, he would consent to their death as, as Stephen stoned. I mean, this dude, he was, he was a radical, yet he was religious. He was a religious radical. Because he didn't understand God's love in Christ. And so he resisted it. So one day, Jesus, in his love for Saul, said, I think I'll talk to the brother. Huh? And so in Acts chapter 9, you can read the whole story. I'm sure you all know it. One day there was a light brighter than the noonday sun. It knocked Saul, the religious zealot, to the ground. And Jesus spoke. Saul, my brother. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you standing against what I've done? Why are you standing against the new covenant? And then Jesus said, listen, I want you to go to a place. And he gave him the address on a street called Straight. You're going to meet another brother named Ananias. And Ananias is going to give you information that will become revelation that will bring preservation. So Saul went there and Ananias teaches him of the love of the Lamb of God. Teaches him of Jesus. And later in the same book, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 22, Paul tells uh, a group of people, as he's, as he's proclaiming it, as he's preaching, exactly what Ananias taught him. Five things. This is in verse 14 and 15 of Acts 22. He said, God has chosen you. You can know his will. You can see Jesus. You can hear his voice. You can be his witness. I call this the principles of preservation. This was the strategy God gave me when I told you the story about going to the Middle East right after 9-11. This is what we did called Operation Life Cell. And we trained people. To, in, in, in my assignment was to raise up Ananias. To go along people like Saul. So Saul's could become Paul's. So in Acts chapter 9, Saul goes straightway. Here's this message. And it says he... He believed in Christ. And it says straightway he preached Christ to people. And his name was changed. Saul becomes Paul. And this is now who our story is about. This is Paul the Apostle. Now this guy Paul uh, had some interruptions in his life. In other words after he saw Ananias Jesus took him totally out of the scene. And it says for over three years like three and a half years. Took him out into the desert where he was unknown by face. And in the desert, Jesus talked with him. And Jesus downloaded the revelation of what the new covenant is all about. Now, why in the world would Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, why would they choose Saul to bring the revelation of the new covenant? In a way, it's... It's odd to me, but it's very beautiful and powerful because Saul understood the beauty 
of, of what Christ has done in fulfilling everything, fulfilling the law. It, it, it's really, uh, he, he could explain it. He could, he could reason with people. He, 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 he was so gifted. So for three and a half years, Jesus talks with him and Saul gets this download. And now he's the apostle who's now planting churches and doing all these ministry assignments and things. But what, what I love about this, and this is going to be important to our story. This is why I'm telling you this. If you, if you look at your Bible, like my little Bible here, let me put my glasses back on. Um, you have the Old Testament, okay? You have the books of Moses. You have, you know, the historical books. You have the Psalms. You have the prophets, major and minor prophets. And they're all pointing to Jesus, this Lamb of God who's coming, the Messiah, to take away the sins of the world. And then you have the New Testament. And then you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke... Luke and John are, are, are the Gospels of Jesus in his physical life. It's Jesus according to the flesh life. So you understand Jesus' miracles. You understand some of Jesus' teaching, how he taught you know, to, to the people in, in different environments, in different ways, for different reasons. But the Gospels are Jesus, you know, his life according to the flesh. But then you have the book of Acts where our story is. This is the way the church was established. And it gives a history of, you know, let's say around 30 years of churches being planted. And the whole ministry of the Apostle Paul and other leaders that God raised up. But then after Acts you have Romans. You have First and Second Corinthians. You have Galatians. You have Ephesians. You have Philippians. You have Colossians. You have First and Second Thessalonians. You have Titus. You have Philemon. You have Hebrews. You have all these books in the New Testament that are written by the Apostle Paul. The dude that was called Saul now is Paul. And he wrote the revelation of what Jesus downloaded in him. Nobody else had the revelation in the same way. It was like, it's like uh, astonishing. It's, it's the Pauline revelation of the New Covenant. In the New Covenant, you learn who you are in Christ. I remember when I first went to Raymond, I didn't know none of this. I went to Raymond, learned I was redeemed from the curse of the law, and listened to Brother Hagin. And, and, and this is back in like 81 or something. And I'm thinking, all this was new to me. Because in a way, my life, I'm still trying to live according to me being approved unto God based on me. And I learned in Christ I was pre-approved forever. Hallelujah. It's, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different beauty. It's a whole different strength. It's the glory of the gospel of the new covenant of grace. Now, let's get back to our story. Aren't you glad I stopped after the word Paul? Look at this. I hope I can read more than one word next time. Otherwise, we're never going to get through this thing. Look at this. So it says, on the first day of the week, verse 7, the disciples came together to have communion, to break bread, to remember the, the finished work of Jesus. Paul, this is the apostle Paul, who's preaching and revealing the revelation of the new covenant. It says, he was ready to depart the next day. He spoke and he continued his message until midnight. Let's pause again. The brother's long-winded. Huh? I mean, let's think for a moment. Here he's, uh, let's say the meeting, let's say the meal started at 6 o'clock. Let's say then they have communion. And it's about 7 o'clock. And Paul starts preaching. Now this is the Apostle Paul preaching. And he preaches till midnight. Now, my calculation, that's 7 to midnight. That's 5 hours. 
The brother's long-winded. He had to be thrilled with what he's teaching. So here's the question. If Paul is preaching and speaking, and he continues his preaching, he continues his speaking till midnight, what was Paul preaching? It's important to the story. What was Paul preaching? Here's the, here's the, here's the answer, I think. He was preaching Pauline revelation. He's preaching the beauty of what God has done in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And all the beauty, the Pauline revelation, you can go to any of his books, Ephesians, Philippians. You know, usually in, in Paul's writings, like the book of Ephesians, the first three books, tells you all these astonishing things about who you are in Christ. Tells you that you have forgiveness of sin. According to the riches of his grace. It says that God made it that you're accepted in the beloved. He tells you you're complete in him. He tells you all these things that just make you say, you've got to be kidding me. The only way they can be true is by faith. Because it doesn't match up to your natural circumstance. So you renew your mind to the beauty of Pauline revelation. And then, because of the life of Christ in you, he shows you how the Christ life is expressed. So the last part of the book, he shows you how to live it. He shows you that you can uh, be angry and not sin. <laughs> That's something I want to know how to do. Hallelujah. He shows, he shows you how to uh, be kind and tenderhearted. Our world needs that. Forgiving. Even as, even as God in Christ forgave you. So if you have the revelation, Pauline revelation in your life, now it's triggered. You, you can release it. You can, you can live it out. He he talks about you don't have to walk in the flesh and have the works of the flesh. Then he lists all the works of the flesh. They're kind of nasty, kind of naughty. He said, no, you can walk in the spirit. And he talks about what it's like. You, You make decisions. You make choices based on what you're hearing. Based on what's in your mind. Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. Now, don't forget, I'm basing this really on these foundational uh, frameworks of what Jesus gives us instruction to do in terms of our mindset. Take heed what you hear. And take heed how you hear. So Paul's preaching. He's preaching his message until midnight. So let's go on in the story. Verse 8. It says, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. I want you to know, when you have the new covenant revelation of what Paul preached, when you have Pauline revelation proclaimed, your spirit stirred. Your heart comes alive. You know, even in the exhortation today, you know, uh, when Pastor Ed was talking about, you know, God's power toward us who believe, you know, it's, it's Pauline revelation. You, you look at the lyrics of your songs. It's Pauline revelation. It's the beauty of what God has done. And it stirs your spirit. Pauline revelation is like illumination. It's like the light comes on. You're not as nervous about nothing. Hallelujah. You're ready to go live another day and to sh- Shout the, you know, shout the praise unto God. With a voice of triumph, you have the victory. So this is what happens. Uh, it says again in verse 8, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. If you don't have solutions now in your mindset, if you don't know what to do about your marriage, your ministry, your finances, your kids, COVID, your world, the world system, my encouragement is you need to hear Pauline revelation. I would, 
I would <clears throat> hibernate to a place where I'm listening to the beauty of what God has done. Because in Pauline Revelation, there's illumination. There's insight for daily situations and details that you and I need to know. Let's go to the next verse. In verse 9, it says, and in, a sin, uh, and in a window said a certain young man named Eutychus. Well, let's pause again. Here's another character. Let's know who the brother is. Eutychus, the Bible doesn't give a lot of information about who he was. But we know what his name means. Eutychus means that, he's, uh, that he has good fortune. The name means good fortune. See, the name Eutychus is what you and I want. All of us want fortune. Somebody say amen. Helen. You know, all of us want fortune and good fortune. You can get good fortune without a fortune teller. That's the wrong information. Good fortune always comes through the revelation of Jesus. Good fortune, or you could even say good favor. Or grace. Grace in its basic biblical definition is the unmerited favor. That God gives you in Christ. In other words, you've got no skin in the game. You've got no qualification. to do. I know grace is his empowerment, many other things. And even in this chapter, there's a grace to give. And we can excel in the grace to give. All these things. It takes the favor and the goodness and the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I like the basic definition of unmerited favor. I like the term unmerited. Because I can talk myself out of a lot of stuff just putting my resume in. You know what I mean? Just thinking about my capacity to qualify disappoints me quickly. But there's something about the revelation of Paul that Jesus triumphs. He, he invalidates myself with himself. Hallelujah. He, he, he puts me in a place where I can receive based on grace. So Eutychus was there. He's listening. He's good fortune or good favor. And let's read what the story says. So uh, the guy, a certain young man named Eutychus, verse 9, he was sinking into a deep sleep. What was he not hearing? Remember, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. What was he missing? Pauline Revelation. Anytime you fall asleep to the revelation of who you are according to the new covenant, you'll take a drop. And you'll live dead. You'll live like a carnal dead man. Even though you're fully alive in Christ. Even though you're born again. So look at it says, he, he was sinking into a deep sleep. I think part of the problem in my life, if I just use myself as the guinea pig for the example. When I get fully disappointed at times. When I get depressed at times, when I get overwhelmed at times, you know what? You know what I can really discern? I haven't been sinking myself into the revelation of the new covenant. You know, a lot of times I do traveling, for example. I just, of course, I have the Bible and all the Bible apps and different things on my phone. But I'll just listen. I'll, I'll get the shortest book of Paul. Hallelujah. I'll listen to it again and again and again and again. Or I'll just go over one chapter at a time. And you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to take heed what I hear. Because I feel like I fell. I feel like I'm disappointed. I feel overwhelmed. I don't have wisdom. I don't know what to do and I don't have a clue. 
I need the light to come on. I need the revelation of the finished work of Jesus that solves everything for this brother. And so look at it says. In the window said a young man named Eutychus. He was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking or Paul continued preaching. Let's pause. What was Paul preaching? Pauline revelation. Pauline revelation is you died with Christ. Huh? I was crucified. Me? I was crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. What? I was buried with Christ. Huh? I was raised with Christ. Way back when, then, I was in him. I was raised with Christ. I ascended with Christ. What? I'm seated with Christ. People say, Keith, explain it. I I don't know how to. I'm leaving town. Your pastor can't. Hallelujah. He can't explain it. (laughs) But I believe it. I believe it. I don't have a human language to articulate the beauty that I'm in him. But this is my identity. Listen, if you don't identify in him, in him, you'll identify in anything. And our culture will prove it. You'll call yourself whatever you want to call yourself and think you're that. You'll identify as anything. But you know what? Believers identify in Christ. I learned that from Brother Hagin. Hallelujah. And I'm sticking with it. It anchors my life. It anchors my ministry. It keeps me going. It keeps me preaching. It keeps me having heavenly assignments that I'm not even looking for. Why? Because my life is filled with good fortune and my life is filled with unmerited favor. Jesus did it all. It's a beautiful thing. So Eutychus was sinking into a deep sleep. He was sleeping to Pauline revelation. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued preaching, the long-winded preacher kept going. Eutychus fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Now think with me for a moment. Let's like create a visual. The third floor, that's probably 20 some feet, 30 feet. Let's say each floor is 10 feet. So he's 20 some feet up or long higher. The dude's sitting in the window. Paul's preaching. Let's pretend I'm the Apostle Paul. It's a good thought, isn't it? So I'm the great Apostle Paul and I'm preaching Pauline revelation. And the dude, Eutychus, drops. Thud. (laughs) Boom. He falls on his head. He's dead. He's dead, dead. You know, my first thought, I'll show you what a carnal Christian I am. What a carnal preacher you have visiting you today. My first thought is liability. (laughs) Who's going to sue me? And I think, do I have have insurance? Can I cover this? Did we do this? So I'm, I'm instantly out of the spirit. I'm in the flesh. And then I would walk down three flights of stairs. And on the way down, pray, say, oh, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then I would kneel down next to the brother, take his pulse or something or see if he's breathing. And then if somebody was standing around, I would say, would you do something? And like call somebody. Do you have a lick of sin? You know, I would I would probably not be real helpful. 
Look at Paul the Apostle did, who was preaching Pauline revelation. Are you all still glad you're here? Look at this. Look at it says, verse 10. He was taken up dead. In other words, if he's taken up dead, this is like being spiritually dead. If you don't listen to Pauline revelation, you'll put yourself on a system of qualifying based on you. You put yourself on performance based. You'll have a, 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 you know, like a a do it yourself thing. You'll put yourself on all these things to make you feel like you're righteous or something. No, righteousness is simply gifted. I know it makes it's, it's scary. But that's why you renew your mind to the beauty of it. And the Bible says when you awake to the realm of righteousness, you won't give yourself to sin. You don't live a court like a dead man, spiritually dead. So look at look at happens. Verse 10 says, but Paul went down and he fell on him. Now, Keith Hershey would just kneel and take his hand and say a prayer like, oh, God, help this kid. He's gone. He's gone, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Help his mom to understand. Help his dad to understand. Help him not to have a good lawyer. You know, whatever. Huh? Not, not Paul. Look at this. But Paul went down. This is the Apostle Paul. Who is preaching Paul in Revelation. Paul went down. This is a picture of Jesus. The Lamb of God who came. It's the incarnation. Jesus came down to show us who the Father is. And to show you who you are. As he is, so are you. Paul went down, it says, again on verse 10, and he fell on him. Wow. That's pretty graphic. Now, he didn't pull a Keith Hershey and kneel down. He fell on him. He fell on him. He like fell on him. And then look at the next phrase. And embraced him. I call this the embrace. Of grace. It's what every human heart craves. It's what everybody who's fallen needs. People say no Keith you need to correct him. In time. Maybe. But not now. Keith he was, he was careless. He was negligent. He was sitting in a wide open window. He wasn't listening to the gospel of Pauline revelation. Chastise him. No. He needs an embrace of grace. This is what our world needs. Before people can be corrected, they need to be lifted. They need to be astonished with the beauty of what Paul preached and believe it. And then as they live and learn through the Pauline epistles... They can learn how to live, how to respond, and how not to be so naughty. And listen to the preacher who preached five hours with long-winded preaching. Huh? Look at this. So it said, uh, he fell on him. He embraced him. I call it the embrace of grace. The embrace of grace isn't a person per se, but it is a person. It's Jesus. But it's... It's knowing Jesus according to his redemptive life. See, Paul's, the Gospels are Jesus' life according to the flesh life. Paul's writings are Jesus' life according to his redemptive work. Paul's writings have no Bible stories of Jesus in the flesh. Paul's writings only have stories of, of Christ according to his redemptive assignment, his calling. And that's what, what changes you. That's what changes me. It's the Pauline rep. You know, there's a lot of people that know Jesus according to the flesh and didn't help him a bit. They know Bible stories. 
They know what Jesus said. They have no transformation. They're still living as dead men. It's Pauline revelation that tells you who you are and that you identify in Christ. And this is the cool thing for me about helping people who've fallen. You give them these shocking announcements. What did Paul do? Well, it said uh, he embraced him, the embrace of grace. And then he said to him, do not trouble yourself. His life is in him. You know, people who are filled with Pauline revelation always have something to say. And you speak the truth of resurrection life. God's power toward us. Which is incalculable. It's astonishing. His life is in him. I, I, I uh, you know, it's like speaking to the mountain. You know, Jesus taught. You, you say to the mountain. You believe in your heart. You speak. It's removed. Cast in the sea. Don't doubt in your heart. But in the old covenant, you know, the prophet said, uh, after he said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. The next verse says, uh, you know, speak to the mountain. O Zerubbabel. Grace, grace to the mountain. It takes faith to speak grace to anything. Let me say that again. It takes faith to speak grace because it's the unmerited working of God, independent of the person's capacity. You speak life to his life is in him. It takes courage. You gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta take heed to what you hear, take heed how do you hear, and get thrilled with it. And then you say something. And what happened to the brother who fell because he wasn't listening, living like he's half dead, he's resurrected to newness of life. It's a powerful thing. Look at verse 11. Now when they had come up and broken bread and eaten. Hmm, interesting. Now it's what? Let's say 1231 in the morning. They've been there six, seven hours. Paul climbs back up three flights of stairs. And uh, how did they celebrate? How did they continue the meeting that Paul was preaching? Notice what they did not do. They did not have another speaker. They did not have another seminar. Paul didn't have another session. They didn't have a prayer line for everybody to get Paul's anointing. Uh-uh. You know what they did? How do you celebrate the Lamb of God? Take communion. That's what they did. They broke bread. Because every praise is to our God. Every bit of worship. One accord. You shout the victory to the Lamb. He's the one who raised Eutychus up. Eutychus was restored to fortune. Eutychus was restored to favor. How did it happen? By faith. And that's what happens to you and me if we just take heed to what we hear. See, your life's circumstances can shift suddenly. If you keep your mindset in a new covenant system that Paul preached. Because it's all about the finished work of Jesus. And that's what just makes me happy. Look at this. Verse 11. When he had come up, they broke bread, they ate. They talked a long while. They talked a long while. Now wait a minute. It's like one in the morning. They talked a long while. Even till daybreak. And then Paul departed. Now, let's think again here. The celebration was very spiritual. It was in communion. 
and in a common meal in what I call the ministry of yak. Do we have any good yakers in the, in the house? Hallelujah. I see that hand. God bless you, my dear. Yakety yak. Do you know, is that a southern expression? I don't know. Maybe, my dad would use that term yak or yakety yak. I don't know where it comes from. But notice, I think it's fascinating that after you have a, a, a remarkable miracle, Paul didn't preach anymore. And people didn't ask for his anointing. You know what they got from fellowship. And you know what the people did until daybreak? So let's say from 1 o'clock till let's say daybreaks at 7. Another 5 or 6 hours. They sat around and they yacked. You know what I think our world needs and what our culture needs? Is we need people who are not afraid of each other. To sit with people who have fallen. Sit with people who have taken a dump, so to speak. They're broken. And you just speak the lyrics of the songs. You don't need to quote a Bible verse. You just talk to them about the importance of a shout. You talk to them about the importance of not identifying in their trouble or in their circumstance or in the pain of this world system, which is a, uh, you know, a mess. Say, so, no, we're identifying in Jesus. And why? Because it's the truth of the new covenant. And you know what? When people... Listen, if you take heed what you hear, take heed how you hear, you know, it lifts people. The light comes on. You say, you've got to be kidding me. There's restoration for my life? I'm so screwed up. I know, for you. I was well screwed up myself. Hallelujah. Jesus set me free. And I know a pastor down there in High Springs, Florida, he was real screwed up too, and he's still shouting the victory. Hallelujah. <laughs> You know, no, you, you, you tell people the beauty of Jesus in the Lamb of God. It's awesome. I told Pastor Edwin, Angela, we were fellowshipping. And maybe I'll show you tonight. I think I'm going to show you. I, uh, Pastor Greg's trying to help me. I'm really incompetent with technology, so thank God for Pastor Greg. And I got some people that can really help me. Hallelujah. So I can look good. Hallelujah. Anyway. Uh, but I'll show you tonight. I, I'm in the Philippines. Some, <coughs> some of the things we built since, since I was here, whenever it was. It's it's beautiful. And, but what I'm going to do, it's all about putting people in a place to show them how favored they are, and how much fortune they have in Christ. And if you're taking heed to what you hear and how you hear, it gets you everything else you ever need. This is the beauty of believing. It's a powerful thing. I'm preaching long. It's 10 after 12. Are you guys okay? I don't know. I probably preached too long. But let me, let me show this other thing with you real quick. Uh, the next verse says, verse 12, they brought the young man in alive and they weren't a little comforted. It's beautiful. The beautiful thing about Paul's preaching is when he started preaching and he got saved, he preached Christ to people. After Jesus downloaded stuff for three and a half years, he had, he had the revelation of the new creation. That's Pauline Revelation. The new creation is Pauline Revelation. After that, he didn't preach Christ to people. He preached Christ in people. Amazing. Christ is in you. What? You've got to be kidding me. How do you deal with that? It's beautiful. Meditate on it. Your wall to wall, Jesus. The Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Really? Yep. Faith is never lacking. 
in Christ, you have the faith of God. Paul told Timothy, Pauline Revelation. In Christ, you have the love of God. Pauline Revelation. In Christ, you have now the grace of God. You have full favor now. See, all these things are astonishing. But you, you fall asleep to it. You don't live in it, even though it's real for you. It's true for you. But listen, if you don't take heed to what you hear, this is the most important assignment of my day. Not being religious necessarily and listening to my Bible apps or not necessarily reading so many chapters, but filling my mind with a revelation of the finished work of Jesus. And I say it over myself because nobody else will. I'm responsible for what I hear from me. And even when I'm sleeping, I was blessed to stay in your, your pastor's home. And, and even through my night, I announce the truth. I take heed to what I hear. And I take heed how to hear. I'm going to be tenderhearted in our wicked world. And I'm going to live in another sphere. Hallelujah. This is the beauty of believing. Can you all shout hallelujah? Amen. Amen. This is, the, this is the wonder to me of the gospel. Let me show you one other verse real quick. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I've got I to gotta stop. I, I, I don't want to preach as long as Paul. Look at this. One other verse. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16. It says, Therefore, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. See, this is why you don't like you. Because you know yourself according to the flesh. This is why you're always trying to fix yourself up. This is why you stand in front of a, a mirror and nitpick yourself to pieces. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Hallelujah. But see, no, the Bible teaches. Now, this is Pauline revelation. Sorry. But Pauline says from now on, we're to know no one according to the flesh. In the preceding verses, he's talking about the finished work of Jesus. He's talking about the cross. And then he says, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, that's the Gospels. Yet from now on, we know him thus no longer. Paul said, you don't even know Jesus according to the flesh. What do you know him according? Pauline Revelation, his redemptive life. In his redemptive life, you understand what he's done to reconcile you to the Father, and you believe that. And then his next verse, look at the next verse, verse 17, that's the verse you can quote by heart. It says, therefore, what's therefore, therefore? The previous verse. Because you don't know Jesus even according to the physical, the flesh life. You know him according to his redemptive life. Therefore, if any man, woman be in Christ... Identifying in Christ by faith. He or she is a brand new creation. All things passed away. All things now are new. You're elevated to be seated where you belong. You're in Christ in heavenly places. And friend, this is the beauty of believing. One other verse, then I got to stop. I promise this is my last verse. But my fingers are crossed. Look at this. Second Peter chapter 3. This is the apostle Peter now. The brother was a scholar too. He seemed to have his foot in his mouth periodically. And seemed to be living according to the flesh a lot, not at the spirit a lot. But you know, the Lord loved him and used him and equipped him. But in, in Peter's writings, this is what he says. As, this is verse uh, 16. 2 Peter three sixteen, 
As also in all his epistles, speaking of the Apostle Paul, Pauline Revelation, Pauline epistles, as in all Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. Well, if Paul's preaching five hours, Brother Eutychus, it was probably natural to fall asleep. Pauline Revelation is not always easy to hear. It's a mystery. I was listening to your service like the week before last. Oh, man, on the covenant. And splitting down the middle. Rich, 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 powerful. I mean, I was thrilled. I was engaged. But you know what? In the passage you read in the book of Hebrews. Rich, powerful. Sometimes it's hard to understand. That's why you can't fall asleep. You've got to sit still. You plant yourself in the house of God where you have a gift or gifts that can unload the revelation of what Jesus has done. And it puts you in the place to always have illumination. You always have answers to everything you ever need. You're never walking in the dark. And this is the beautiful thing. This is the beautiful thing. Well, I better stop. Did you all enjoy the word? Hallelujah. God's so good. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, these are your beautiful people. These are your kids, Father. Thank you for great grace in their lives. Thank you for meeting every need. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we could come on the first day of the week, just like they did in the book of Acts, and raise a hallelujah. We can just be grateful, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, you've included us in you. Help us to constantly identify ourselves in Christ. Help us not to conform ourselves to worldly thinking and world's ways, Father. Help us to be satisfied in Christ. Let the gospel satisfy us. Let there be a thrill. Let there be a momentum in our spirit, in our life, a joy, a victory that we know we possess. All because of Jesus. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.